This is the broadcast voice of Marshall University. WMUL-FM, Huntington, West Virginia. And now, News Center 88 at 5, the area source for the most complete news coverage from across the campus of Marshall University and the Huntington Tri-State area. And now, the News Center 88 team. Good evening, everyone, for this Friday, January 26, 2024. I'm David Atkins. And I'm Victoria LaVon Wilburn. Coming up this evening on News Center 88, a British painting stolen by mobsters is returned to their owner's son 54 years later. All on your only daily source for Marshall Broadcast News. Emma Johnson will be in with the Metro Huntington Weather Forecast, and Sean Kelly will be in with the FM 88 Sports Report. The current temperature outside is a partly cloudy 57 degrees. Now on to our top story. Yemen's Houthi rebels have launched a missile at a U.S. warship patrolling the Gulf of Aden, forcing it to shoot down the projectile. The Houthis also struck a British vessel. The attack today on the USS Kearney marks the latest by the rebels amid their campaign against ships traveling through the Red Sea and surrounding waters. Those assaults have disrupted global trade amid Israel's war on Hamas in the Gaza Strip. The U.S. military central command said no one was hurt was hurt during the attack, nor was the Kearney damaged. Houthi military spokesman Brigadier General Yahya Sari did not acknowledge the Kearney attack, but claimed a missile attack on a commercial vessel that set it ablaze. A scourge of pornographic deep fake images generated by artificial intelligence and sexualizing people without their consent has hit its most famous victim singer, Taylor Swift. The deep fake detecting group Reality Defender says it tracked a deluge of non-consensual pornographic material this week depicting Swift, particularly on X. Some images also made their way to Meta-owned Facebook and other social media platforms. When reached for comment, X directed the AP to a post from its safety account that said the company strictly prohibits the sharing of non-consensual nude images on its platform. Meta says it strongly condemns the content and has worked to remove it. The UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees terminated a number of its staffers in Gaza suspected of taking part in the October 7th attack by Hamas and other militants on southern Israel. That's according to a statement today by the director of the agency, known as UNRWA. The United States separately said it was temporarily halting additional funding to UNRWA. My apologies. The U.S. is the biggest donor to the agency, which has been providing aid to Gaza's population amid Israel's offensive. It was not immediately known what role the 12 staffers had in the October 7th surprise attack in which militants rampaged in southern Israel. The attack set off the war, now in its fourth month. House Speaker Mike Johnson is taking a strong stand against a bipartisan Senate deal to pair border enforcement measures with Ukraine aid. He sent a letter to colleagues that supported an effort by hardline conservatives following the lead of Donald Trump to sink the compromise on border and immigration policy. Johnson, a Louisiana Republican, says that the legislation would be, quote, dead on arrival in the House, end quote. If leaked reports about the legislation are true, 
Text of the bill has not been publicly released. The diminishing prospects for a deal leave congressional leaders with no clear way to approve a $110 billion, excuse me, $110 billion White House request for emergency funding for Ukraine, Israel, immigration enforcement, and other national security needs. The FBI says an 18th century British painting stolen by mobsters in 1969 has been returned more than a half century later to the family that bought the painting during the Great Depression. The School Mistress by John Opie is the sister painting of a similar work housed in the Tate Britain Art Gallery in London. FBI Salt Lake City Field Office announced today that it was returned to the son of a New Jersey doctor who originally bought it for $7,500. Opie was a British historical and portrait painter who portrayed many people, including British royals. Coming up, Bill discriminalizing drug tests, strips, and opioid devastated West Virginia heads to governor. That and more news from across this tri-state when New Center 88 returns right after this. Have a good day at work, honey. Remember, Billy has his first baseball game today. I'll be there. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Hey, Mike, watch out for vehicles today because we weren't able to close off all traffic for the stretch of road we're resurfacing today. Tis the season for roadway construction, and according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, on average, negligent drivers cause 115 fatal occupational injuries at road construction sites per year. So, when you come across the orange cones and flashing lights, remember to slow down. Let's make certain our construction workers get home safe, so Mike can catch Billy's first baseball game. Hey, Dad! You made it! You made it! You made it! Keep your eye on the ball! This safe driving message has been brought to you by your friends at WMUL-FM. Welcome back to News Center 88 for the best spot news reporting by the Virginia's Associated Press. I'm David Atkins. And I'm Victoria LaVon Wilburn. Sebastian Kitchen is stepping down from his job as executive director of the Kentucky De- Democratic Party. He will assume a new role in Governor Andy Bashir's administration. Kitchen played an important behind-the-scenes role in Bashir's re-election victory last year. Morgan Eves, another veteran of the Bashir administration, will succeed Kitchen as an executive director of the state Democratic Party. The party made the announcement Friday. Kitchen has been hired as a deputy secretary for the Tourism, Arts, and Heritage Cabinet. Kitchen presided over parties' operations during Bashir's successful re-election campaign last year. He played a key role in building a grassroots network. A prosecutor says the parents of a two-year-old northern Kentucky boy have been charged with manslaughter after the toddler's three-year-old brother fatally shot him. Kenton County Prosecutor Rob Sanders says the boy's parents were arrested yesterday in a motel room in Florence. Police say first responders were called to the child's home in Covington Monday afternoon and the toddler was rushed to a hospital but later died. Sanders said the parents are accused of leaving a loaded gun within reach of the older child. The three-year-old then picked it up and fatally shot his younger brother. 
Norfolk Southern's fourth quarter profit fell 33% because of the ever-growing cost of the cleanup of last year's fiery derailment in eastern Ohio. The railroad did deliver 3% more shipments during the quarter, but even without the costs related to that toxic crash, its profit still would have been down 14%. The Atlanta-based railroad said it earned $527 million, or $2.32 per share, during the quarter. Without the $150 million in additional derailment costs, Norfolk Southern would have made $677 million, or $2.83 per share. But even that is just behind the $2.86 per share that Wall Street predicted. The railroad now estimates the total cost related to the East Palestinian Excuse me, East Palestine derailment will top $1.1 billion, but that's total will only continue to grow. West Virginia lawmakers have rejected a bill that would have expanded a crime database to include collecting DNA samples from people arrested for certain felonies. Some legislators cited privacy concerns during a lengthy debate yesterday before the 66 to 30 vote by the Republican dominated House of Delegates. Current state law requires a DNA sample to be taken from anyone convicted of a felony and certain misdemeanors. The bill would have expanded the law to adults arrested on felony charges of violence against someone, a burglary, or a case involving a minor. Some Democrats have concerned the bill infringed on Fourth Amendment protections against unreasonable searches and seizures. A bill that would decriminalize all the strips used to test deadly drugs now goes to West Virginia's governor. Republican Jim Justice hasn't said publicly whether he supports the bill, which has received bipartisan support in the state with the nation's highest overdose rate. Justice already signed a 2022 law that decriminalized fentanyl testing strips. Republican Deputy House Speaker Matthew Rohrbach said the purpose of this bill is to ensure that all drug test strips will be available to people who need them without lawmakers having to pass new legislation every time a new one is developed. Coming up next, deliberations begin in Trump defamation trial after ex-president dramatically exits closing arguments. That and more news from around the nation when News Center 88 returns. Stay with us. worldwide leader of Marshall University sports coverage. Welcome back to Joint Perry Stadium in Bowling Green, Ohio, a stone's throw from I-75. Back inside the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. And welcome back inside the MAC Center here in Kent, Ohio. Marshall women's basketball preparing to take on the Golden Flashes. From Millet Hall in Oxford, Ohio, the campus of Miami University. Here atop Dally Ficklin Stadium in the Emerald City, Greenville, North Carolina. WMUL-FM Huntington. Welcome back to News Center 88, voted best radio news reporting by the Society of Professional Journalists, Mark of Excellence Awards. I'm David Atkins. And I'm Victoria LaVon Wilburn. JetBlue Airways says it may end its attempt to buy low-cost carrier Spirit Airlines as soon as this weekend, sending Spirit shares tumbling. Spirit says it sees no reason to terminate the deal. The airlines have said they plan to appeal a federal judge's ruling blocking blocked JetBlue's proposed $3.8 billion purchase of Spirit. But on Friday, JetBlue said in a regulatory filing that it could pull the plug on the merger because certain conditions might not be met 
by a deadline that the airline set in their 2022 agreement. JetBlue says it could terminate the deal with Spirit as early as Sunday. A man put to death using nitrogen gas shook and convulsed on the gurney as Alabama carried out the first-of-its-kind execution that once again placed the United States at the forefront of the debate over capital punishment. Convicted killer Kenneth Eugene Smith was pronounced dead yesterday night at an Alabama prison after breathing the gas through a face mask to cause oxygen deprivation. The execution came after a last-minute legal battle in which Smith's attorney said the state was making him the test subject for an experimental execution method that could violate the constitutional ban on cruel and unusual punishment. Smith was one of two men convicted in the 1988 murder-for-hire slaying of Elizabeth Senate. U.S. auto safety regulators have closed an investigation into complaints that the doors on some Ford Escapes can open while the SUVs are being driven without seeking a recall. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says it probed open last July, found that there is a low potential hazard to drivers and that Ford is doing a customer satisfaction program to fix the problem. Excuse me. Documents posted by the agency Friday say the investigation covered about a half million escape SUVs from the 2020 and 2021 model years. The agency says the SUVs have an audible and visual warning if the doors don't latch properly. Ford also plans to send letters to owners in March telling them of the service campaign, which fixes the problem but is short of a recall. A military panel at Guantanamo Bay. Cuba has recommended 23 years in detention for two Malaysian men in connection with a deadly 2002 bombings in Bali. The recommendation came today in a sentencing hearing for longtime Guantanamo detainees Mohammed Farik bin Amin and Mohammed Nazir bin Lep. The extremist group Jama Islamia, my apologies, Islamia killed 2002 Indonesians, foreign tourists, and others in 2002. The two denied any knowledge of the attacks, but admitted conspiring with the group responsible. Military authorities still must formally approve the sentence. A jury has begun deliberating in the defamation trial against former President Donald Trump, deciding if he owes writer E. Jean Carroll money after a jury last year concluded he sexually abused her in 1996. The jury began its work today after closing arguments punctuated by Trump's dramatic exit from the courtroom as one of Carroll's lawyers spoke. He later returned as his lawyer defended him and remained until deliberations began. Curl's attorney, Roberta Kaplan, asked jurors to award $24 million in compensatory damages and much more in punitive damages. Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, said Trump told the truth when he refuted her claims. Coming up next, an unlikely challenger to Putin brings a rare show of defiance to Russia. Your daily political update when News Center 88 returns right after this. You solved all 10 briefcases without hitting a whammy. That means you've won the grand prize. Tell them about it, Rod! 
its brand new radio station from Marshall University, WMUL 88.1, contains the best music library, news coverage, award-winning sports, and impeccable talents. It's the WMUL 88.1, Gunning Edge! Welcome back to News Center 88. I'm David Atkins. And I'm Victoria Levon Wilburn. Thousands of people across Russia are signing petitions to support the long shot candidacy of Boris Nadezhdin. This is a rare sign of protest, defiance, and optimism in a country that has seen a crackdown on dissent since its troops rolled into Ukraine nearly two years ago. While President Vladimir Putin is all but certain to win another six-year term in office in the March 17th election, Nadezhdin has offered a measure of hope for some. His candidacy has become a dilemma for the Kremlin. The question now is whether authorities will allow him on the ballot. He openly calls for a halt to the conflict in Ukraine, the end of mobilization, and a dialogue with the West. The U.N. World Council has come down hard on Israel's war on Hamas and the Gaza Strip, calling on Israel to, quote, take all measures, unquote, to prevent a genocide of the Palestinians. But it stopped short of demanding an immediate ceasefire, as the South African sponsors of the case had hoped. All sides tried to claim victory with the ruling, seizing on different elements that buttressed their positions. As Israel presses ahead with its offensive. Friday's ruling addressed to growing international criticism of the war and could put more pressure on Israel to scale back or halt the operation altogether. Iowa's Republican governor announced in June 2022 that the state would use $75 million in federal pandemic relief funds to add security measures at schools. But more than 19 months and two deadly Iowa school shootings later, most of the money has not been spent. The Iowa School Safety, Safety Improvement Fund aims to harden 1,500 schools by giving each up to $50,000. So far, $20.6 million of the $75 million has been promised to qualifying schools. Very little has been paid out. A state official last week helped the school district in Perry finish its application for three buildings. Two weeks earlier, a 17-year-old fatally shot a sixth grader and a principal. Georgia State Senate is creating a special committee to investigate Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. The panel was approved today on a 30-19 to vote. Republican senators say the panel is needed to determine whether the Democratic District Attorney misspent state tax money in her prosecution of former President Donald Trump and others. The committee can't directly sanction Willis. Democrats denounce it as a partisan attempt to try to play to Trump and his supporters. Trump has joined an effort to have Willis, Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade, and their offices thrown off the case. A lawyer for defendant Michael Roman accuses Willis of having an inappropriate romantic relationship with Wade that resulted in a conflict of interest. The United Nations top court has ordered Israel to do all it can to prevent death, destruction, and any acts of genocide in Gaza. But the panel stopped short today of ordering Jerusalem to end the military offensive that has laid waste to the Palestinian enclave in a ruling that will keep Israel under the legal lens for years to come. The court offered little other 
comfort to Israel in a genocide case brought by South Africa that goes to the core of one of the world's most intractable conflicts. The court's half dozen orders will be difficult to achieve without some sort of ceasefire or pause in the fighting. And coming up, Emma Johnson will have a complete look at your Metro Huntington weather forecast. And Sean Kelly will be in with the FM 88 Sports Report. Stay with us. Ever notice when you have a baby, everyone seems to give you advice? From your mother-in-law, to your own parents, to your friends. But when it comes to the important stuff, like immunizations and protecting my baby's health, I trust my baby's doctor. She really listens to my questions about shots, gives me great information, and she works with me to make sure my baby gets protected. And that's something even my mother-in-law can agree with. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to News Center 88. I'm Emma Johnson, and now it's time for your Metro Huntington weather forecast. It's currently a partly cloudy 57 degrees. Temperatures will drop to the low 50s around 8 p.m. tonight and will continue to drop into the 40s as the night continues, making it a whole lot warmer than the single digits we seen last week. As we head towards the weekend, we will see highs in the upper 40s with lows in the mid to low 20s, and rain is expected this weekend and through Wednesday of next week, so it seems like the cold, snowy weather is over for now. Today in weather history, a winter storm spread high winds from the northwestern U.S. to Wyoming and Colorado, with heavy snow in some of the higher elevations. Stevens Pass in Washington received 17 inches of snow, half of which fell in four hours. In extreme northwest Wyoming, Togatee Mountain Lodge received 24 inches of snow, and winds in Colorado gusted to 90 miles per hour at Rollinsville. Thank you, weather4u.com, for that information. And that does it for your Metro Huntington weather forecast. Currently outside the WMUL studios, it is a partly cloudy 57 degrees. For News Center 88, I'm Emma Johnson. Thanks, Emma. Now Sean Kelly joins us with the FM 88 Sports Report. Thanks, guys. Starting with Marshall Athletics news. Yesterday evening, Heard Tennis collected two wins during its Kentucky road trip as it swept the Bellarmine Knights 4-0 and defeated the Eastern Kentucky Colonels by a score of 6-1. Starting in Louisville, sophomore Johanna Strom and junior Emma Vanderhayden led the way as the number one doubles pair against the Knights, defeating their doubles matchup 6-2 and each defeating their match in as, as number one and number two singles, respectively. After that clean sweep, the Knights are 0-4 to start the spring season and have not scored a point since January 15th. After traveling east to Richmond in the afternoon, Marshall dealt Eastern Kentucky its third consecutive loss, with junior Sophia Hurrion collecting a pair of straight-set wins at the number 4 single spot, as well as the doubles point with freshman Emily Shutt. The lone win for either home team during Thursday's doubleheader came from the Colonels' doubles pair of freshman freshman Jean-Saya Bekaisen and Izem Elif Olter, the first doubles match and victory in their respective collegiate careers. Marshall Tennis returns home to face the West Virginia Mountaineers tomorrow at noon as it will try and build on its three-game winning streak. Meanwhile, the Colonels fall to 1-3 to start this season. 
staying in the bluegrass state. This weekend is a busy one across Marshall Athletics as today begins day one of the PNC Lenny Lyles Invitational for Herd Track and Field. After last weekend's events resulted in a pair of individual victories at VMI and Indiana University, Marshall already finished with two in its first day as graduate student Abby Herring finished first with a time of 921.88 in the women's 3,000 meter and senior Rebecca Merritt finishing with a distance of 18.33 meters in the women's weight throw. The second and final day of events from Louisville will begin tomorrow at 10 a.m. with the women's triple jump flight. Three more events occur tomorrow with women's basketball as the lone road game as the herd travel to face the Georgia Southern Eagles. Not only is Marshall attempting to break its all-time record for best record to start a season, but is also playing for its first win in Statesboro since 1997 and to stave off the Troy Trojans for first place in the Sun Belt Conference. Thun- the, excuse me, the thundering herd enter tomorrow's matchup with an 8-0 conference record, its best start since the 1988-89 season, and a one-game lead over the Trojans. Back in Huntington, the men's team faces the Southern Miss Golden Eagles at 4 p.m., as it attempts to build on Wednesday's home victory against the Georgia State Panthers. You can listen to tomorrow's matchup right here on WMUL-FM, as Ben Cowher will be on the call alongside Jonathan Edwards with pregame coverage beginning at 3.30 p.m. Excuse me. Finally, swimming and diving meet at home tomorrow at 10 a.m., facing off against the Toledo Rockets for a senior day meet. Heading into Huntington on a three-meet winning streak, heard swimmers dive into tomorrow's matchup with momentum having won 13 of its 18 events last time out, and with senior Audrey West as the most recent recipient of Sunbelt Swimmer of the Week. Now for some news from around the sports world. Traveling across the pond with soccer news, Jurgen Klopp has announced he will step down as li- excuse me, Liverpool manager at the end of this season. Klopp has led Liverpool to the Champions League and English Premier League titles since being hired in October 2015. As for his reasoning, Klopp says he is, quote, running out of energy, unquote. Klopp's status as a Liverpool icon is secure after returning the club to its summit of European soccer and ending its 30-year wait for an English Premier League title in 2020. Former Liverpool player and current Bayer Leverkusen coach Xabi Alonso has been quickly linked as a potential successor. Finally, for some news in American football, the Baltimore Ravens are activating Mark Andrews from the injured reserve. Coach John Harbaugh says he expects the star tight end to play in this weekend's AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Andrew injured his ankle in a November 16th win over the Cincinnati Bengals, and he was initially feared to be lost for the season. But Harbaugh suggested that he might be able to come back at some point. Now, the Ravens have extended their season long enough to make that realistic. Andrews practiced last week, but not in the divisional playoff round against Houston. The three-time Pro Bowler had 45 catches for 544 yards and six touchdowns in 10 games during the regular season. For FM 88 Sports, I'm Sean Kelly. Thanks, John. And coming up, Ingenuity ends their legendary journey. Stay with us to find out more right after this on New Center 88. I love the tango, and I love you, more than the sunrise on a clear summer day, more than the colors of the rainbow, more than the, how do you say, American football. Do you love me more than the WMUL? Are you crazy, woman? I mean, alas, it is not so. For the WMUL is, how do you say, 
Ah, yes. Too sexy. The memory is shot. My legs feel like lead. Every muscle in my body is screaming. So why does everyone think the problem is in my head? Chronic fatigue syndrome can be as isolating as it is debilitating. Visit www.cdc.gov slash CFS for the latest information on diagnosis and management. cdc.gov slash CFS. Get informed. Get diagnosed. Get help. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, CDC. I can't make it. Luke. Luke. Ed, is that you? You must go to the Marshall system. There you shall seek out WMUL-FM and be trained in the ways of news, sports, and the widest variety of music in the tri-state. But how, Ben? Use the force, Luke. Let it guide you to 88.1 on the dial. And remember, WMUL's force will always be with you. And finally today on New Center 88, NASA's Little Mars helicopter has flown its last flight. The space agency says the four-pound chopper named Ingenuity can no longer fly because of rotor blade damage. While it remains upright and in contact with flight controllers, officials said its $85 million mission is officially over. Originally intended as a short-term tech demo, Ingenuity logged 72 flights over three years at Mars. It accumulated more than two hours of flight time, traveling 11 miles. NASA says that's more than 14 times farther than planned. Ingenuity hitched a ride on NASA's Perseverance rover, landing on Mars in 2021. It ended up serving as a scout for the rover and proved powered flight was possible in the thin Martian atmosphere. And that does it for this edition of New Center 88. Tune in Monday at 5 for the most complete news from Marshall University and the Tri-State area. And remember to check us out on the World Wide Web at marshall.edu slash WMUL. For Victoria LaVon Burton, Wilburn, Sean Kelly, Emma Johnson, Luke Hamilton, and for the entire New Center 88 team, I'm David Atkins, and your thought of the day is, with the first link, the chain is forged, the first speech censored, the first thought forbidden, the first freedom denied, chains us all irrevocably. Captain Sean Luke Picard. <laughs>